Okay, so let's uh, go to our text messages, shall we? Mm-hmm. And let's see what we have to say here. So this was an interesting uh, news article that came through this morning about PTSD um, and 53,000 returned soldiers Oof. suffering from it. Only mm-hmm. 50% are getting help, uh, which is pretty rough. Um, I wonder how many billions of people are going through similar symptoms because of the pandemic. Mm. Uh, from reports I've been watching, sufferers of adverse reactions from the vax are being ignored. Are we going to believe the ones suffering or the ones causing it? It's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. I think you know probably the biggest area as far as PTSD goes, of course, is the lockdowns, mm. and it's going to be one of those things that we're going to look back on in history if history was to last and learn from it. Okay, let's go on here. What's the next one here? Oh, Lawson, sorry to hear about your knees. <laughs> you might, might become a bionic man and be able to run like a cheetah. Dear, legit. I was showing Put producer... some titanium ones in there. I was showing producer Shell during the uh, the last break. I have this, like, random-ass lump on my kneecap, and I think that there's, like, swelling on the... I don't know, man. I'm, like, really looking forward to the... I hope I can get metal legs. I hope I can get robotic legs. That would just be awesome. You know, the problem with metal legs and robotic legs is that the more you use them, the more they wear out. Mm. Which is one of the things that fascinates me about the human body because the more you exercise your motorbike, the more it wears out. The more you exercise your body, the stronger it gets. Mm, up until a point, right? To we a get, point. We get We're not talking about damage. We're talking about yeah, exercise. Yeah, but then, like, naturally, right? Like, you get old. Yes. Yeah. But do you really think your motorbike is going to last if you use it, you know, for, say, 12, 14 hours every day for 70, 80, 90 years? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Nah, nah, not at all. And even if you get those bionic legs, they're not going to do it. Mm. They're going to wear out. They're going to need to be replaced. They're going to have to pull them out, put some other ones in there. Yeah. They're just the human body. There is nothing like it. And and you think about the titanium ones or whatever they make it out of. I'm not sure what kind of metal they make those things out of. Um, maybe somebody who's got one can call in and let mm. us know what kind of what kind of metal do they actually have in there. And call in and let us know how long is it actually going to last. You know, uh, is this something that literally would last a lifetime, mm. or is it something that? Kind of got to replace it every now and then. I have a friend who's done a re- knee reconstruction, and his knees are like so wrecked that they just put these like he's basically got metal knees. Yeah, and apparently uh, they're really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've I've seen people that have been basically basically crippled, and in a wheelchair they put metal knees in them, and they've got a new lease on life. They're up and about, and they're doing all kinds of stuff. Dude, I want metal knees. I want to have to explain why I go off when I walk through every metal detector <laughs> in the airport. <laughs> it's amazing technology, but it doesn't come close to. But you think about how hard that titanium is, mm. and it's made that way so that it will last forever mm. in your in your knees, even though it won't. And then you think about how soft your knees are, that are designed to you know even in this life last for well for some people over a hundred years. Mm. It's a, it's a big contrast. Yeah, that's It's just right. amazing stuff. Human body is incredible. Okay, electric vehicles, whatever happened to flying cars, that's the perfect vehicle for Australia's vast oh, areas yes, of travel. I, I agree. Great. Bikes are great for shorter distances but not too safe. Mm. I think it's talking about push bikes there. But, yeah, motorbikes as well. They do call them murder bikes mm. for a reason. Okay. Uh, poo in our oceans, raw sewage, another good reason to be a vegetarian in the last days. Makes you wonder what people <laughs> are actually eating. 
Uh, God allowed meat eating after the flood, but he also knew that the future held regarding pollution, what the future held regarding pollution of the oceans and landscape. That is why he gave us the health message. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, so somebody's sending uh, greetings through for Neil. Oh, awesome. Long time no see. Neil is the son-in-law of Pastor Barnabas Shelley, who baptized me 36 years ago. Wow, got some connections here. Uh, Neil, no doubt Neil, Neil has lived the life. He has given us many great historical presentations. Throughout history, believers have always believed that Jesus was coming in their day, including the Reformers, just as well as, well, or we would not be here today. Luther believed before his death that Jesus would return about 300 years after his death. Interesting, that would bring that date close to 1844 when the great religious awakening leaders believed and taught of Jesus' second coming on that date. Now we know, of course, that the date referred to the cleansing of the sanctuary in heaven and not the earth, as was the belief at that time. Mm. Very interesting stuff. Maybe that's something we should uh, talk to Neil about sometime, is uh, the time prophecies in the Bible Mm. and the Reformers' approach to, to the time prophecy. I wonder whether he's got any insights on that. Um, but yeah, Neil's particular area of research has been looking at the way that art has been communicating history. Art is one of those kind of things that's hard to talk about on the radio. You kind of have to see. You it. kind of have to be you looking kind of have to at see it. it. That's right. That's mm. right. You kind of have to be looking at it. All right, let's go to our Bible study today. And because we're studying the Book of Deuteronomy, we are going to the Book of Deuteronomy. And we're going to look at a bit of a theme that you'll find right throughout the Book of Deuteronomy. And then what you're going to find is it right throughout the Bible. And uh, or right throughout the Old Testament, and then right throughout the New Testament, which makes it right throughout the Bible. Amen. All right, Deuteronomy 26 and verse 8. Deuteronomy 26 and verse 8, the Bible says, So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and a powerful arm and with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. Okay, so this is a story about PTSD. Oh, it's a story about PTSD. Let's talk about PTSD. PTSD is is something that happens to a person when they have gone through a traumatic experience. Mm. And people that have gone through a traumatic experience and people that suffer from PTSD struggle to overcome it and never forget it. Mm. And what we've found is that PTSD is actually something that you pass on to your children and can be detected to the third and fourth generation. Wow. Uh, and so you're going to find this, um, you know, modern science has actually discovered that children of parents who had severe PTSD have issues that they are dealing with there in their, dealing with in their life, and they have no idea, why am I dealing with these kinds of issues? Mm. And the reason that they're dealing with those kinds of issues is often nothing because of what they have experienced, but because of what their parents or their grandparents or even their great-grandparents have experienced. So PTSD is a real thing, and it embeds itself itself in the human psyche, and it just hangs in there. Mm. But when we talk about slavery, how long does slavery embed itself in the human psyche? Have the have the have the African Americans forgotten their history of coming out of slavery? No, and that was what eighteen sixty four. Hundred and sixty, hundred and yeah, hundred and sixty years ago thereabouts. Yeah, 
not very, it's, you know, you could say that's a long time ago, you could say it's not very long ago, whatever it might be. But it's still very, very much a part of their identity. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you have Africans who move to America and they're very different culture, even though they look the same, because they don't have that as part of their identity. Mm, totally. They have other issues as part of their, they have colonialism as part of their identity. Mm. But they don't have slavery as part of their identity. So how long before that aspect of their identity is forgotten? You know, how long, you know, think about us here in Australia. So we come from a convict heritage. Yes. Very proudly. Yes. Uh, Yet, was your dad a convict? No. Was your grandfather a convict? No. No. And you're going to have to go back through quite a few generations before you reach convicts. Mm. If you do, not all Australians come from convicts. How long does it remain a part of our national identity? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Or even people's identity as immigrants. Like, I have a friend and he's, you know, he's in his mid-30s and his dad is, you know, in his, like, 60s and then he i think has a grandfather i don't remember if his grandfather's alive or not still but he would be very old and his grandfather was an immigrant here to to australia from poland yet this guy is like like you know being polish fourth fourth generation australian fourth generation australian is still a massive part of his identity you know it's it's all it's reflected in his last name he has a polish last name but other than that like from my perspective i'd think oh it's probably about it but no it's a huge part of their identity like they're known as polish people it's fascinating and 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 poland is not even a country that is a very old country yeah it's a it's a relatively modern country as far as a country goes but you know fiercely patriotic yeah, all of my Polish friends are exactly like you're describing. You yeah, know, they've, been, they've been Australians for generations, but they're Polish. They're Australians. Polish. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, whereas I, I, don't, I don't know about you, Lyle, but for me, it's just Aussie, bro. It's just like that's it, and 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 that's because of I would say our identity having coming out of a form of slavery, which was you know the convict era. Uh, we tend to reject our mother country because. They were the ones who imprisoned us. Mm. Not that that is ever conscious in my mind that I'm like, no, nah, but, but it's it, sort of, but it is pervasive. Like, why do pervasive. I hate England so much? Like, it's just deep in my bones that I just hate the English. And I, yeah, okay, okay. So let's 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 let's, 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 let's come back to this. Um, yeah, we're interdependent all of our English yeah, listeners right, this morning. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Lawson doesn't hate English people. Lawson loves English people. I speak English. He does. He's probably going to marry someone from the UK sometime. Um, <laughs> okay. That's a prophecy right there. It's a prophecy. I made a prophecy this morning. Mm-hmm. Let's see if it comes true. Um, okay. But let's think about how, you know, our, our identity coming from, you know, a convict background is probably nothing like as strong as, say, an African-American identity mm. coming from a slave background. And the question is how long does that, how long does that re- remain? I mean, they came out of tremendous PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been passed down. You know, we know that that passes down physically through up to four generations. That that's long past. Mm. You know, the actual physical part of it is long past for this particular people group. 
but how long does their slave identity last for? Mm. And what we're going to find as we go through the Bible is that when you have this kind of a background, the answer is thousands of years. The Jewish people today, do the Jewish people today still remember and celebrate once a year their exodus from slavery? Yeah. And this is something that happened thousands and thousands of years ago. And look at how it has shaped their mentality, shaped their outlook on life, shaped their culture, shaped the way that they think that we were once slaves mm. and now we are free. Mm. It's just a fascinating, you know, and, and you just you, you find it through the Bible. God keeps reminding them, you used to be slaves and you're no longer slaves because of me. So we read it here in Deuteronomy 26, verse 8. Let's look at a couple of other examples. Let's go to Deuteronomy 16, and we'll look at the first few verses here. Deuteronomy 16, and we're going to start in verse 1. The Bible says, In honor of the Lord your God, celebrate the Passover each year in early spring in the month of Abib. For that was the month in which the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Your Passover sacrifice may be from either the flock or the herd, and it must be a sacrifice to the Lord, your God, at a designated place of worship, the place he chooses his name to be honoured. Mm. Okay, so it continues on. You know, you can read on through the uh, the rest of the chapter there talking about the Passover. But God comes to them and says, all right, I've, I've, I've brought you out of the land of Egypt. Mm. Don't forget to remember that every year. Mm that you were once slaves. And what's interesting is that Moses is talking to people here in this situation who, well, you know, yeah, slavery is a thing of the past for them. It's 40 years come, behind them. They didn't come out of the, the land of Egypt. Like, the, this is the second generation, right? I or mean, there's still plenty of people here that did come out of the uh, land of yeah. Egypt. But, but, as you say, the vast majority of those people have never known slavery mm. and have never lived in Egypt. Mm. And he's like, yeah, you guys were slaves. Mm. Don't forget. Let's go to Micah. Micah chapter 6, verse 4. Oh, Micah chapter 6 and verse 4. This is a bit, yes. of, a, bit of a page turner. So <laughs> I'm just like, when I, when I come to the, the, the minor prophets, I'm like just flicking through. The books are so tiny. Uh, Micah chapter 6 and verse 4, the Bible says, For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. Okay, so this is what, like a thousand years later? Yeah. And he's, God is still talking about their slavery. Mm. Let's go on another thousand years later, shall we? And let's go down to First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. In which verse? Wonderful. Wonderful. The Bible says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. So now we're coming down thousands of years, and they're still talking about it. And they're not even Jews, most of these people. They're Corinthians. They're Corinthians. That's they're right. like Greek people. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, remember our ancestors who were our slaves. ancestors who was absolutely absolutely. Mm. Okay, go to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter eleven. We head over to Hebrews. Now, this is people who have definitely a a Jewish background in the Hebrews chapter eleven. In which verse are we going to read? We are going to read verse twenty nine. In verse. 29, the Bible says, It was by faith that the people of Israel went through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they all drowned. So you can't get too much further into the New Testament than the book of Hebrews. Mm. It's like uh, just a few pages after that, you're going to come to the end of the New Testament, and they're still talking Mm. about their slavery. Well, even once you get to Re- Revelation, in, in the book of Revelation, it talks about people in the end of time singing yes, the, song of, of the song of Moses, the servant of God and of the Lamb. The song of Moses was the song that was sung on the shores of the Red Sea. You'll uh-huh. find that in Revelation chapter 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't get any further into the New <laughs> Testament than that. And that's like any further into time. This is speaking about like at the very end of time. Yes. Yes, this is, this is taking place in heaven. Mm. Around the throne of God, after the return of Jesus, mm. and 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 there you've got the hundred and forty four thousand singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Mm. And the song of Moses is the song of that they sang on the banks of the Red Sea, just after the sea had washed back and destroyed the Egyptian army that was trying to take them back into slavery. Mm. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking, racking my brain. I'm like, I know this is mentioned in Revelation, but I can't think where, so I'm so glad that you remembered that and brought that up. Absolutely. You can't go further than that. And so right the way through the Bible, there is this theme of you were slaves. Mm. You have been rescued. Wow. And I kind of wonder how long this theme will continue for and how long it will be a part of our psyche for and how long we will remember it. Mm. Because you think about it in heaven, does the Bible say that we are slaves here on this earth? Let's 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 go to uh, Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter seven. I think that's where I'm going. Let me just flick over there very quickly. Uh, let me see here. Romans chapter seven. Actually, there's some great stuff in Romans chapter eight as well. Mm. Uh, but Romans chapter seven. Let's start in. Ooh, let's go to, let's start in verse 14. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am, a, I am all too human, a slave to sin. A, a what to sin? A slave. A slave to sin. My, my translation says sold to sin. Mm-hmm. So that is our experience, the experience of every human being. Is this something that we will ever forget, that we were once slaves? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so we've got a a text message that came through from a person of colour. Okay. So that's sort of just putting that out there because it kind of qualifies the text message. I find it sad that many uh, people of colour... Um, and then puts in brackets, we're all coloured people in different shades, <laughs> which is a fact. Um, in my conversations with them, still feel that they are somewhat discriminated against, and unfortunately that is the case even here in Australia. Um, and, you know, this is an interesting point that is raised. 
Um, it goes, I wonder who is the real slave, slave, the people who are racist. And it's it's an interesting point that's raised because there's nowhere in the world where you're going to avoid racism. Mm. That's just the sad reality. Yeah, totally. There are places where there's going to be less and places where there's going to be more. There's no place where it's going to where our world is going to be free from it, which is just a mm. terrible, terrible thing. And in different ways and for different reasons. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like it's racism, but it's also you know based on nationality. That's right. Like, like yep. you, you nationalism. Ha- you find you find racism between two races that are the same, speak the same language, yeah, have the same color. Mm. You know, like you had to you had to like you know Eastern Eastern Asia. Like you've got China, Japan, Korea, and the tensions between those three countries that still exist amongst the people. Like it's it's wild. It's like well, I remember. I remember back to the um, back to the early nineties. Sorry, I, I butted in there and I cut you off. I didn't mean to do that, but I'll keep going. Anyway. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. <laughs> no, but I remember back in the early nineties when the war in the Balkans broke out, and in Australia we had Yugoslav churches. Mm. And as soon as the war in the Balkans broke out, suddenly we had Croatian churches and Serbian churches. Mm. Same people spoke the same language, used a different alphabet. That's the only difference. Mm. And to me, that was just super sad because it's like, as Christians, why can't we be above that That's as right. Christians? That's right. You know, why Why did we suddenly have to, why were we fine having um, Yugoslav churches for a number of decades until suddenly there was a war and it's like, now we hate each other. Mm. And all those old tensions and it's just a really sad, messed up world in which we live. Especially when we're like not connected, like just thinking about the Balkan War and like it's like Yugoslavs living in Australia. in Australia. This is Australia. Yeah, you know you're an Australian. Mm. Mm. You're not Yugoslav. You're not Croatian. You're not Serbian. You're Australian. Mm. So why we could have set such an example? We had an opportunity to set such an amazing example of the grace of God. Yeah. Wow. By just having Slavic churches. Mm. Just be done with it. And where we all get together and we all speak the same language and because that's the language we like to worship in, then fine, that's great. But no, we had to bring the political differences and the religious difference and the racial differences across to Australia. It's just sad. Anyway, I got sidetracked. I think I got another text message here. Let me just see where it went. Slavery is all over the world. Anyone who is controlling others around them and taking away freedom is slavery. That's from Stephen. And this is very valid. This is, you know, there is probably more slavery in our world right now than our world has ever seen before. Mm. And I... Yeah, I'm a slave to UD death. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm talking. I'm actually talking about classical slavery. Okay, yeah. Um, mm. Whereas, you know, you have a lot of not classical slavery where people are in abusive relationships. Mm. That's not classical slavery, but it's still slavery. You have a lot of slavery where people are slaves to an addiction. That's mm. not classical slavery. That is um, addiction slavery. But, yeah, classical slavery, there's more slavery than our world has ever been. Wow. Yeah, it's just incredibly sad. What a sad, sad world we live in. Anyway, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Mm-hmm. And we'll start in verse 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, we're going to be reading in verse 6. The Bible says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And then verse 7, it says, you must not have any other God but me. Verse 8, you must not take an 
for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or in on the earth or in the sea. You must not worship them or bow down to them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of your parents upon the children and the entire families affected, even the children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for thousands of generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. And it continues on. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Um, you go down to uh, honor your father and mother. Uh, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt mm. not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. This is the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And so this is the second time in the Bible where you actually find the Ten Commandments written down and codified. But when this Ten Commandments is given, when Moses repeats the Ten Commandments to them, he gives it a different introduction. Mm. And many people today make the mistake of reading this because, well, maybe I shouldn't apply motives. But anyway, so I won't apply motives. But they make the mistake of reading this and they read the introduction right here where it says in verse 6, I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Mm. And they're like, okay, the Ten Commandments, the prelude to the Ten Commandments is God speaking to his people and saying, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And they make the mistake of saying, okay, this only applies to the Jewish people Mm. because I was never a slave in Egypt. Let me ask you this question. Were the Corinthians ever slaves in Egypt? Uh, no. No. Will 144,000 who sing the Song of Moses, the Servant of God and the Lamb, in heaven, were they ever slaves in Egypt? No. No. Neither of these people groups were ever slaves in Egypt. Mm. And so when you read this, like, oh, well, the Ten Commandments are clearly just for the Jewish people because we were never slaves in Egypt, therefore it does not apply to us. You've made a massive, massive and monumental error in understanding the universal nature of the Ten Commandments. Mm. And the question, of course, which we've asked many times on this station and no one has ever given a satisfactory answer for is, why would anyone ever want to get rid of the Ten Commandments? Which one is the bad one? Mm. Which one is the one that you don't like? Which one is the one that you think is going to be bad for society? Mm. It just doesn't exist right here. So why is it that you are trying so desperately to get rid of the Ten Commandments and say, oh, that must be a Jewish thing? The answer is very simple because you just want to break them. Let's be honest. <laughs> because of sin, bro. It's because of sin. We love sin. That's the unfortunate thing about mm. humanity. And so we try and find excuses to break God's law. There's no excuse for breaking God's law. The Bible says that God's Holy Spirit gives us the power to gain the victory. And God says that he wants to write his law in our heart and in our mind. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 0491064669 is the number to call if you want to send in a question of the day because right now we have come time for the... Question of the day. And our question of the day today is from Sky, and Sky asks, Who was the persecuted woman in Revelation chapter 12? Okay, so this is an interesting question. You've kind of got two ways of taking this. And what you're going to find is that historically, the Roman Catholic Church has taken uh, a very literal approach to this passage and said, well, this has to be uh, Mary. 
It can be none other than Mary. And the reason that they do that, the reason that they say that is if you look in Revelation chapter 12, and let me turn over there very quickly, uh, you will find here that the Bible says uh, that you've got this woman. She begins in verse 1. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried in pain in birth uh, to be to give, to give be delivered. And then you find down a little bit further, she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and sixty days. And so they will say, well, clearly Mary was the one who gave birth to Jesus Christ. And of course, after the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, they had to flee into Egypt, into the wilderness, uh, where they hid from Herod for a number of years. And so this is kind of the thought that you find coming through there. However, there are so many problems with that concept that you cannot even begin to list them. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves the question, is this a literal passage or is this a symbolic passage? Because if this is a symbolic passage, then it's got nothing to do with Mary and it's all about the woman. Okay, so there appeared a great wonder in heaven. That's where we start. Was Mary in heaven? Could Mary have been in heaven before Jesus was born? No. This woman is in heaven and she is about to give birth and she's travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. So there's your, your, your first problem right there. Then you've got you know another wonder in heaven. Behold the great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. He drew a third part of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. There was no dragon that went wandering around on earth just before Jesus was born. The Bible says, Then she brought, a man ch- brought forth a man child who was caught up to God in his throne and then the woman fled into the wilderness after Jesus was caught up into heaven. So you've got all kinds of problems here if you're going to take this as a literal depiction of Mary. The Bible does not say that this is Mary. The Bible says that this is a woman. So we need to understand if this is a symbolic prophecy then, what does the woman symbolize? And throughout the Bible, from one end of the Bible to the other, you're going to find that the woman is a symbol of God's church. Let me give you some examples. Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And, of course, he's speaking about God's church, God's people. Revelation 19, verse 7 and 8, Let us be glad and rejoice and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted that she should be clothed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The saints is God's church, the Bible says. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse, 12, verse 2. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealous, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Once again, Paul talking to the church and describing the church as a woman. Ephesians chapter 5, so let, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, mm. for the church. The church is a symbol of, um, of, is symbolized by a woman. And so the woman in Revelation chapter 12 from uh, verse 1 to verse 17 is a symbol of God's church. 
You have a symbol of God's church at the very beginning when there's 12 stars at its head, uh, 12 leaders at its head. You have a description of the church during the time in the wilderness. And finally, you have a description of the remnant of her seed that exists just before the return of Christ. This is God's church from the time of John right the way through to the end. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. And we'll give it to you completely for free. Fantastic stuff. As you go through this day, of course, spend some time in prayer with Jesus. Spend some time talking faith, living faith, acting faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ.